impulse to dance existed long before our primate ancestors evolved into humans. Evolutionary biologists suggest that dance was used by early humans to promote the social cooperation essential for our survival. Indeed, studies have found that today's best dancers all share the two specific genes associated with excellent interpersonal skills. But despite its power to save our species, dance could not save a small furniture company in Miami from the economic tsunami of a global pandemic. So, like many 40-year-old millennial white males, Mike Lane found himself alone and adrift in an ocean of failed relationships and unrealized dreams. Excuse me. Hello. This area is off limits. Oh, well then, you really shouldn't be here then, should you? Life's the same, you're shaking like tremolo. Life's the same, it's all inside you. I don't really fuck with vegetables. The third movie in a trilogy departs completely from the realism of the first two to deliver what feels like, at times, a two-hour dream sequence. This is the Pool Scene Podcast on the main stage. I'm the Youngstown Goblin, Kevin. <laughs> Joined on stage by my slab of meat bitch partner, Jim. Ah, oh, big meaty men slapping meat. Hey, now. Jim's got that dog in him. Hot dog, that is. Oh, hot dog heart. Fuck yeah. Pool sceners. That would be my stripper name, hot dog. How it would make oh, perfect sense. Actually, it's kind of fucking it awesome. It makes perfect sense. I could put it in a hot dog bun like Nick the Dick in Bachelor Party, except to be a small bun. <laughs> it's a slider bun. <laughs> it's a mini uh, bun. Pool seniors who have been with us since the start, or those who have went back and caught up on the back catalog, will remember we ended season two with a deep end consisting of Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL. So now we end season 12 with Magic Mike's Last Dance, which ends the Magic Mike trilogy. However, the door is not closed on the franchise as a whole. More on that in just a moment. Steven Soderbergh, who directed the original Magic Mike, returned to direct the script written by Reed Carolyn, who wrote the other two. So we do have that. Um, symmetry yeah where the same writer wrote all three movies despite them feeling like completely different movies but the look was definitely a Soderbergh yeah movie. yes yeah yeah I, I agree Soderbergh said at the end of last year that while this ends Mike's story there's still other character stories to tell big dick Richie we're gonna tackle that further a little later on Magic Mike's Last Dance is a weird example where it was supposed to be direct to streaming but then they shifted and decided let's do a theatrical release which is weird so i didn't even realize that is actually in the plan now for the fast and franchise fast and furious the franchise. fast and franchise the fast yeah. and franchise <laughs> where they only want a limited theatrical release and then they want to do a limited home release so basically like three weeks in main theaters pull it three weeks at home i wonder if they kind of accelerated that with the underperformance of Fast X because now I see that it's going to be on Peacock in like two weeks. Well, I think it's actually smart because it is. I you agree. know there are people who, okay, so say you're not a moviegoer who goes out on the first Friday to see a movie when it's released, but you do want to see it as soon as possible. Well, if they put it on home streaming within week three, you're probably more likely to say, you know what? I'm going to pay to rent this since yeah. it's only been out a few weeks. 
And real quickly, Fast X, let me check. 711 million. So it's up over 700 million now, but it's on Amazon now. It's going to be on Peacock in the next couple of weeks. So there you go. Yeah. 711 is not bad. You called it. You said it'd be over seven. I said it probably won't get there, but it got there a little, you know, little, but. All right. So, Jim, was the pivot to theaters successful? Please give us budget and box office along with news and number ones at time of release. WUAB Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. Magic Mike's Last Dance came out February of this year, 2023, and also Pool Sceners, a little trivia for you for fans of the show out there. The first movie we've done, not a spoiler cast, that we are covering in the same year it came out. That's gotta be true. I'm pretty sure this is true, so this isn't a spoiler cast, but the first movie we've covered in a calendar year, full-fledged episode. Full frontal. Nudity. Big dick, Richard. $45 million budget made $54 million at the box office so <laughs> not the best you know stuff's getting clobbered at the theaters though like uh, killed like indiana jones and the dial of destiny the first weekend pulled in like 140 yeah 300 million dollar budget not including marketing uh, so you're talking close to 450 then probably and they they'll get there but you know what i mean but if you invest 300 and i'm going to talk about this later you, if you invest 300 million in a movie you got to get a billion you have to three you have to. You, you have got to. Three hundred million dollar budget. You got to get to a billion. I'm curious when they're going to get to that point where they adjust like the budgetary numbers after a movie's said and done. To like break it down. Here's the box office. Here's the streaming number. You know what? I, yeah. Kind of an incorporated number. So since this movie came out four months ago, I'm going to give you current day news as of today, recording six twenty eight twenty twenty three. Superman and Lois have been cast for the upcoming All Star Superman movie David Corn's wet never heard of him before he's gonna make me wet and Rachel Brosnahan who friend of the show Justin Haynes was in a movie of hers he was an extra as Lois Lane I'm fine with this never heard of the guy before so he has been in stuff he's got to be British right oh with Corrin's the name wet. wet I'm assuming this will be perfect for him he kind of has that Christopher Reeve look which I appreciate he can grow into the role he'll have no problem being Superman for a while because unless Corrin's wet ends up blowing the roof off of Superman. I think this will be like a lifelong thing for him, or at least the all-star Superman saga, however long in a multiverse he lasts as Superman. Real life Barbie Malibu Dreamhouse Airbnb is now available to rent out in Malibu, California. Kevin, it's all pink. It's ready to go for the Barbie movie. During your stay, here's some of the options. You will have the opportunity to live in Technicolor by taking a spin through my awesome wardrobe to find your best beach fit. Look out, Barbie. I've got quite the closet, too. Channeling your inner cowboy and learning a line dance or two on my outdoor disco dance floor or performing a sunset serenade on my guitar. These are some of the amenities you get in this Airbnb. Amazing. Challenge your fellow guests to a beach off with plenty of sunbathing and chillaxing by the infinity pool. Take home a piece of my Kendom with your very own set of yellow and pink Impala skates and surfboard. There's a lot to unpack here at the Barbie Beach House. You can rent it now. It's available on airbnb.co.uk. I don't know why it's on a .uk thing, but why not? Two guests maximum, Kevin. It's a two-day option. That's it. 
They don't have the price featured, but if it's on the ocean, guarantee goddamn to you, it's going to cost a lot. It seems like people think it just popped up. Yeah, I mean, the house has been there. It looks like they just layered it in pink paint. So we, I'm going to Chicago next month, and um, they have a Barbie cafe pop-up. It's fucking awesome. Really? Yeah, I think I might do it. There's specialty Barbie cocktails and, and Barbie food and such. Yeah, it looks pretty neat. Kevin, have you ever had an experience with a very cringy text? Not for me. A cringy text in general. Oh, like, sure. You should have not have gotten this text. It was sent to you by accident. Here are a couple cringy, cringy texts, courtesy of our friends over at BuzzFeed.com. We have the dad who, oh dear God, accidentally sent this text to his 14-year-old son instead of his wife. Oh, no. The dad says, can you drive me? The son repeats, yeah, we will, around 740. He's like, okay. Dad repeats, shave my balls and they feel so nice and smooth ha <laughs> <laughs> ha obviously that was supposed to be for your mom oh my god i'm sorry man wow that's a I, hell of a you know what the, the most cringy text in there is the fact that he said i mean i don't know what the dad's relationship yeah. with his son but like the fact that he said that was supposed to be for mom because if he would have just left it his son would have been like you're gross dad yeah you know but it like wouldn't have been did he have to clear it up no that was for my girlfriend don't tell yeah, your mom right. what the fuck and finally kevin and this wife who accidentally sent the sext to her mother-in-law oh, no. who I... already disliked her instead of her husband so here we go i just found out pj and i this is the wife and I are leaving on the 5th. Will you be home to see her on this Sunday? Should be, but I will find out for sure and let you know. Sounds good. Thank you. Here's the next one. You going to miss my pussy while I'm gone? Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I'm going to die now. I swear. I almost never send stuff. Oh my holy goodness. I am so very, 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 very sorry. I'm sure your mother-in-law that detested you wants to make sure you miss the vagine. Oh my God. Such so cringeworthy texts sent there. Thank you for our friends at BuzzFeed. Here's some throwbacks. Things that have happened in history on February the 10th, 1940. Glenn Miller. I never knew this before. Glenn Miller awarded the first ever gold record for selling over 1 million copies of the Chattanooga Choo Choo. Pardon me, boy. Is that the Chattanooga Juju? Yes, yes. Track 29. Glenn Miller Orchestra, the first. The first gold record ever. Glenn Miller used to play at like Yankee Lake Ballroom. <laughs> I was like, I was gonna say McManamy. He's playing McManamy. <laughs> Yankee Lake used to have a history in doing all that big band and ballroom stuff. And there was some sort of like complete left turn and said, "Hey, truck night. We got mud in here, and we'll just <laughs> run trucks in here and shit." Also in 1940, Tom and Jerry were created. Good things of my childhood, right there. Tom and Jerry. In 1989, the World Wrestling Federation gains deregulation in New Jersey by admitting it's an exhibition not a sport so they were able to get deregulation thanks to that statement in 1993 michael jackson talks to oprah and draws an amazing 39.3 rating slash 56 share to an audience of 90 million people one of the best things ever because God. there's that internet clip that goes around oh yeah where oprah's just trying to ask michael questions and he's just beatboxing and stuff uh, and he's like trying to explain to her how yeah. he like layers his beats and oprah's just like yeah but fucking kids yeah and he's like <laughs> yeah he's just doing all the beatbox michael focus yeah yeah in 1996 ibm chess playing computer deep blue becomes the first computer to win a game against grandmaster gary kasparov 
off. Wait, he, he battled a member of the KKK? <laughs> the Grand Wizard. <laughs> the the Grand Blue Wizard. versus the Grand Wizard. Boy, a struggle like no other. Will Deep Blue beat a racist? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. If not, whoever is controlling Deep Blue, beat the shit out of the Deep guy with Blue a baseball bat. David bed. Duke on pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, God. Doesn't that seem like some... Well, they're trying to do that shit with um Zuckerberg and yeah, Elon Musk, stupid. Dana White, the dumbass, wants to see that. Hopefully, they just both kill each other. Well, Elon said that his mom wouldn't let him. Legit. Sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. Hopefully, they beat each other in space without a helmet on. In 2015, Jon Stewart announces he is leaving The Daily Show on Comedy Central. Trevor Noah took over for seven years, and now it's by committee. Just they don't seem to have a permanent host. Who's the committee? Is it like Mayim Bialik and Ken Jennings, and it's just all the Jeopardy hosts? The ultimate committee now is Mayim Bialik and Ken Jennings. There's a committee of all shows. Like, who is going to take over for Pat Sajak and Vanna? They already announced who's taking over. For oh, Jack. did they? Yeah. Is Vanna leaving too? I don't know if Vanna's leaving, but you saw who's taking over. No, Pat. who's taking over Wheel of Fortune? Ryan Seacrest. Oh, fuck. That dude has to have clones, right? How is he able to do everything? He does everything. He does the 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 Today Show. He has a radio well, show. Well, he doesn't so- have the Kelly Show in the morning anymore. Okay. He left that. Okay, so he has a syndicated radio show. He made room. Does American Idol. Now he's got Wheel of Fortune, which I would imagine Wheel of Fortune's going to be like. They're going to make it younger. They're going to make it younger, popular show now. Maybe. And again, Ryan Seacrest is like our fucking age. Is he? No. He's got to be. No way. He's got to be in his 40s. I'm going to look it up. I I think he's in his 50s. I don't know how Ryan Seacrest pulls this off. Like, does he do a lot of cocaine? He's got to be Ryan Seacrest is 48. Okay, so he's older than us, but still. I'm how shocked, he- though, because American Idol debuted in... 03. 03. Or no, 02, 03, yeah. 02, and he was on the first season. Yeah. So he's nine years older than I am. He would have been 20, okay, 27. Yeah. Okay, that and makes sense. Still doing the radio. He's doing the American Top 40. I mean, granted, you could do that from your home yeah. now, so but it's not that big of a deal. Still, I mean... Record weeks in advance. He's probably got a billion dollars. He's like Ryan Reynolds, right? Ryan-, Ryan Reynolds. Rob McElhenney just bought into... Alpine F1. Yeah. So the, he's buying everything. Like every yeah. day it pops up. Like he just bought something else. It's, it's crazy. Incredible. If only Brian Dunkelman would have stayed the path, maybe he Idiot. would be the next Ryan Seacrest. And also, Ryan Seacrest has the most nauseating send off on radio. Seacrest out. Whatever works, man. Fucking hate it. And finally, Kevin, in 2019, the Alliance of American Football kicks off with my Orlando Apollos beating the Atlanta Legends 40-9. The season never ended. The Apollos probably would have won the AAF championship with my dude, Garrett Gilbert, former Cleveland Brown. And that's all that was going on throughout the years. Now it's time to shake that ass and show Salma Hayek what you're working with. Seacrest, out. In ultra hyper local news we are being invaded by the canadian wildfire smoke we currently have an air quality index of 192 which is top five worst in the world that's horrible you uh probably can hear somewhere ryan seacrest count them down in today's (laughs) air quality index you go outside Uh, it smells like wood burning and it does i actually so yeah i'm shocked that you could actually smell it it's so strange and i I, you probably heard me 
coughing a couple minutes yeah. ago. My throat feels or like I feel wrecked by Yeah, it. it's bad. So uh tagline for Magic Mike's last dance, the final tease. Kind of dumb. Should be the final countdown. All right, let's grind into the plot. I'm not going to fully recap the first two movies, but the five second recap in the first one, it basically was like the curtain pulled back on the world of male stripping, yeah. which ultimately introduced us to Magic Mike. Not his origin story. He's already in the group. Yeah, of but things. we just learned what Mike's a furniture about. business. And the second movie, the second one, was like, all right, all these male strippers, we're getting old. Why don't we have like one last send off? We know we can't do this forever. Let's go on a road trip. Awesome movie. Have, uh, incredible. Love that movie. Yeah. So now when we left the events of Magic Mike XXL, so Mike, as Jim said, has a furniture business, custom built furniture. He's like struggling to pay for his employees' health insurance. He doesn't want to be a stripper anymore. Yeah, he doesn't want to be a stripper anymore. He wants to have a legitimate business, but he's struggling a little bit with the furniture business. Well, they don't waste any time in Last Dance. We learned from a voiceover that Mike has lost his furniture business in the COVID pandemic. Okay. All right. Relatable. Way, yeah, to connect the dots. Now in his 40s, Mike Lane is a bartender in Miami for a catering company, and I get the feeling this is just one of like, he's probably like... Odd jobs. Odd jobs. Just kind of does a little bit of everything. You know what's bad? We talked about this in the previous two movies we covered, and you know, Channing Tatum said that he did not like doing the Magic Mike role just because he had to get down into yeah. a weight. He looked really emaciated. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, I'm like, he doesn't look healthy. Yeah, when we watched this, that's exactly what I said, is like, he's like, I don't want to do these because you have to have such a low percentage of body fat. And, and the stuff. older you get, the worse it yeah. is to get that. Yeah, one. and it's, it's not great. So, while working a fundraising event as a bartender for a catering company, the events for Maxandra, Max Mendoza. What Mike, a name. Mike is recognized as a stripper by a girl we met in the first movie. So kind of a nice callback to just nice like a throwaway character. She's now a lawyer for Max's foundation. After the event, Max asks to see Mike. How much would something like that go for? How much would something like that go for? Uh, 60000 Maybe. $60,000? Yeah. Yeah, $60. Let's call it 60 What the fuck did you do? She said it was a silly dance. Who said that? Kim, Kim said that? It was yeah. silly? Yeah, she said it was a silly dance, but that it would get my mind off of things. And if she's right, I'm going to pay six. Max goes like full Borat and asks, how much? Very nice. Meaning specifically for a lap dance. Mike says, I'm retired. I don't do that anymore. But when she pushes, he goes, $60,000. She says, how about 6000 but no happy ending? And like, maybe this is logic that I don't have written down. Yeah. But like, she's the one asking him for a dance. But then she's very much like, I will slap you <laughs> if you do anything I don't like. Yeah. She's the one willing to pay $6,000 for a lap yeah, dance. Yeah, we got some boundaries. Mike agrees. And there actually is a happy ending after all the morning after in bed Mike refuses to take the $6,000 but Max wants to pay him $60,000 to go to London with her. Max is kind of sort of maybe not really going through a divorce with a rich and powerful media mogul named Roger. Basically Max's prenup with Roger says that if she divorces him she does not get a single cent. So she tries to basically like live the life
life of being separated and doing what she wants while still officially being married to Roger. Yeah. But I think he kind of tries to reel her in to like not allow her to do that. But if, cause if she gets divorced, she's broke she's on the street. She has nothing. Destitute. Part of the agreement is that Roger gave Max a theater called the Radigan, where a highly successful play runs called Isabel Ascendant, which was Jupiter Ascending. I know that's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> Max's plan is to close Isabel Ascendant so that Mike can choreograph a special dance production. So without further ado, I give you the visionary artist that inspired me so profoundly and that will take us to the promised land. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Jeffrey Lane. So that's what happens with many, many obstacles, most of which are due to Roger's interference. Ultimately, Max, afraid of her husband's power and afraid of being penniless, shuts the show down at like the 11th hour and tells Mike to go back to the U.S. What the fuck do you mean we're done? I'm sorry. I, I did my best, but I failed. People right. will come back and pick you up and he can arrange a flight for you tomorrow. No, no, no. What, what happened? This isn't you. What the fuck is going on with you, Max? Nothing. What? Unfucking believable. You really are the queen of the first act, huh? Holy shit. You don't know anything about me, and you don't understand anything. It's Friday. They wouldn't put the plug on us until Monday. But you're walking away. But Max's butler and and Max's daughter have slipped Mike the keys to the theater and he's going to go forward with the show behind her back. The butler Victor and the daughter Zadie drag Max to the show, which is by invitation only and not to the general public. Like basically all the invitees were like out of her personal email. Very yeah. VIP. Yes, VIP. Basically, our movie ends with a performance of Mike's revamped Isabel Ascendant. At the end of the performance, Mike and Max kiss and she tells tells him I'm broke like I have no money like it's over I'm not going back to him but I'm broke no one can claim to fully understand what exactly dance is but what is abundantly clear is that dance seeks no meaning for its desires it does not value age or status logic or reason it is a compass orientated only to liberty not unlike the human heart I stumbled upon these wisdoms when I met a lonely stripper named Mike. All right, let's get into character. Buddy loves her. Channing Tatum is Mike Lane. He dates Salma Hayek as Max Andrew Mendoza, and she's credited as Selma Hayek Penault. Yeah, so her took her husband's took name. her husband's name. I don't know how to pronounce this. Ayub Khan as Victor. Sounds about right. Uh, Jamelia George as Zadie Radigan. Juliet Matomet as Hannah. Vicky Pepperdine as Edna. Gavin Spokes as Matthew. Alan Cox as Roger Radigan. Caitlin Gerard as Kim. Christopher Ben Comos Kim's husband. Joe Manganiello for a second is Big Dick Richie. Uh, Matt Bomer is Ken. Kevin Nash is Tarzan. Adam Rodriguez is Tito. Kylie Shea is a ballerina, which she's not in the movie that long, but she no. certainly makes an impression. Oh, I would say so. And then the neat thing about this one is most, if not all of the dancers in the movie are from either the UK or Las Vegas version of Magic Mike Live. Magic Mike Live is the worldwide stage sensation that inspired the hit film featuring familiar faces from the big screen. Magic Mike Live, conceived by Channing Tatum. It's more than you expect, and everything you want.
Okay, so that so works. they just literally took the guys from the stage show. Very like meta in that but way. But that's smart. It's very smart. They're so, all in shape. They know the routines. So yeah, exactly. So it's kind of cool because if uh, if you went to one of those shows, you would actually see these dudes. Kevin, we're gonna go. We're gonna cover them. We're gonna introduce them. Everybody. Which actor or actress gives a passport performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? I got two. It's Victor and Zadie. The princess is on hunger strike. Wait, even open the door. Well, she's not even drinking. I'm afraid not. Did you try using your wise British butler voice? Trust me, I went full metal down to an abbey on her arse. And if that bloke doesn't pull his head from his own arse, you'll be parented from behind a closed door for months, years even. But you didn't tell her you slipped Mike the keys. <sighs> Please. The lawyers found out her careless manservant failed to lock the Ratican door. She'll need plausible deniability. If there's anything I've learned, it's that you can't tell people anything. They have to have an experience. Yeah, I just think the butler and the daughter, they are the voice of reason. I love Victor because he tries to keep Mike at arm distance and Mike just slowly breaks him down because it just seems like every guy that's ever come into Max's life just wants her for the money and for the notoriety. And this is the one time where somebody comes in, doesn't want her money. He's just trying to figure out why the hell am I here to do a show? I'm not experienced in this. Like she's literally given $60,000 to direct yeah. a show. Never done no. anything no. remotely remotely close to this so at first like victor is like what the fuck are we doing here and he just says these like little lines that are just under his breath and nobody's really listening but mike is the only one that's ever really tried to listen to him at all and max looks at victor he's almost like a surrogate like father to zadie even though her father is around but he has this like corporate business job he doesn't want to be bothered at all it seems by max or even his daughter and then zadie is the one that pushes her mom to say hey you know what mom we run out of money so what we're gonna do this it's gonna make you happy let's go out with a bang i think those two and she's a great actor most of these people in this movie i've never heard of before in my entire there's life. not a really a huge cast and like, they save is, money on that there it's too. very i mean but again jim you had mentioned yeah it was shot like during the pandemic yeah so like this movie had to and and you wonder if it would have been different at all bring all the guys back in in person yeah i mean I, but i don't i still don't think that's exactly what what they would have. Um, I still would have liked to have even a, a short mention while he was over there in England or how's Dallas doing? What's Dallas up to? Yeah, which they did in a little, if you remember, there's a funny joke in two where the only way they get Mike to show up is by telling him Dallas died. So he shows up at the pool in a suit. So the one I like, I apologize because I don't know her name, is the girl that was the lead. Hannah. Hannah, Hannah and Isabella Ascendant. So good. She shows now, back up. Do you have any idea for how long I've been dreaming of someone to walk through that door with a flamethrower and burn this whole fucking shit to the ground? I can't stand playing lady as well. For the last six months, I've wanted to choke the life out of that entitled prude. I mean, get a grip, woman. Jesus Christ. Like, you're rich. Send a fucking carriage to town. Buy up every able-bodied man, soldier, sailor, instead of wasting your time worrying about which boring old sword you're going to sign your life away to and have a lovely half-decent shag with every last one. 
Yeah, she shows back up because Max doesn't necessarily fire them because no. basically they have to pay them severance. Yeah, they're getting so her money. So she's like, listen, you guys are getting paid to just go home for a month. But the one girl's like, I want to work. And she's like, I fucking hate that character. And every night, like, I wish her death. I want to be a part of this or whatever. She's and she, badass. And she's got a thing for Mike. She becomes basically the main catalyst for the show. So yeah. pretty interesting. Jim, go ahead and kick us off with your best scenes. Find out which scene made a splash. Well, that makes sense. Let's start right there with Hannah. Hannah coming back to try to get her job. Nobody expected her. Like she's in this, which comes across like a hoity-toity type play, but it's really revered for this theater. And it's a cool looking, I don't know if they, maybe you know, Kevin, This was this a set or was this filmed at an actual theater? It was theater? probably filmed at an actual theater. Really fucking cool, yeah. intimate setting. But the fact that, you know, she kind of has a thing for Mike and she just talks her way into keeping the role, letting her be who she is. She has a mouth like a fucking sailor. Yeah. She sees through the bullshit. She wants an opportunity. She just doesn't want to sit home for a month and make the money. She fucking lobbies her that job. And Mike basically says, yeah, you got it. And she's such a good actor. I don't know her name. I thought my your real name that is her shoot name for you wrestling fans out there. But it's I really dig Juliet Mohammed. Yeah, really damn good. I really appreciate that in this movie, they didn't waste any time or try to like give a slow reveal to where we are. They just like boom, 30 seconds into the movie. They tell us Mike lost his furniture business. Then maybe like like 20 minutes later. Yeah, we didn't get a montage. We get like the Zoom call with the Kings of Tampa. We uh, find out they've loaned him money because we've seen him duck their calls a couple times, but they've loaned him money and he's like, I'm going to pay you guys back. And they're like, no, it's just money. Don't worry about it. I feel that they filmed that because that's one of my favorite scenes. They filmed it in one take because I'd like to think that that is live on Zoom and Kevin Nash the whole time had the worst reception ever. Yeah. And it was just frozen. Then they were able to cut in to do individual calls. What's up, man? I know. Look, I know. I, I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry. OK, I know I've been ducking y'all. I, I apologize. I just it's a long story, but I'm in London and I just want you guys to know I'm, I'm going to be able to pay you back. I just need a few weeks. OK. Oh, come on, man. How many times do we have to tell you you don't need to pay us back? It was an investment. I know, I know, but I'm... At uh, this charity event, and then at the end of the night, I ended up giving this rich lady a lap dance, and now I'm living in her house in London and gonna put on a show at this famous theater that she owns. So, yeah. Hey, sex work is nothing to be embarrassed about, Mike, especially when it's the living kind. Hey, look, (laughs) thanks, Tarzan. Like, I'm basically just saying, though, I'm gonna have your money. I I don't exactly know uh, what I said yes to, so I hope it works out. I kept reminding myself, Lakeson, this was filmed during the pandemic. There's no way you probably could have got all these guys on one room together. Kind of disappointing because yeah. it's like I, you, you at least get to see him, but they were only on the screen for like 10 minutes. In, in fairness, though, because I love the second one so much, yeah. I kind of like we got our story in the second it's one with point. the Kings of Tampa. We like it's nice to just pop in and see what, you know, because we don't get anything about them. We don't see like, well, how are, is Tito doing the yogurt like food truck yeah. thing or like Tarzan painting like we don't know anything I would like to think that Kevin Nash just got done with a podcast and he's like I'm gonna film this real quick for five minutes and that's it I'll smoke a little weed and I'm good (laughs) so before Hannah shows up like I want to be a part of this the dance tryouts per your instructions I've 
assembled the top tier of talent across multiple movement disciplines. And they're all very eager to please. And quite athletic, as you requested. Excellent work as usual, Renata. So Max has a woman named Renata gather a number of dancers to try out. So this is a montage. In the middle of this montage, Mike is also recruiting dancers from like the streets of London. Because like Mike, despite not knowing anything about directing or whatever, has like embraced this. Oh, big time. He's like, I know what I'm looking for because like Max like wants to get these like classically trained ballet dancers and stuff. No, he wants street dancers, pop lockers. Yeah, he wants like he knows what's going to work. The perfect end cap to the auditions is like when all the dancers are assembled into like the Avengers of stripping. But that's like where Mike is like coming into his own because he gives him the speech and he like he's totally natural giving him like this hyped up speech. All right, calm down, calm down. We ain't done shit yet. All right. You guys have all the talent in the world. Ain't no question in that. Each and every single person here was hand-selected because they bring something unique to the table that we ain't never seen before. All right? But I have a question for you. Who here, by show of hands, has stood in front of a thousand women and had to get butt-ass naked? Exactly. You want to find out how fast a group of sweet, nurturing moms can make you just go running, cowering into a dark corner wishing you were never born? I promise you it can happen. I've seen it, and it can happen just like that. I can't believe I'm about to say these words out loud, but we got one month. Oh, yeah. We got one month to turn y'all into the greatest group of strippers that has ever been assembled on planet Earth. And to do that, you boys got to be ready to get your hands dirty, your noses wet, and them nuts chafed as shit. (laughs) (laughs) And look, if if we do our jobs right, you're going to have a whole other problem on your hands. You're going to have to learn to protect yourself in a zombie apocalypse of repressed desire. Any questions? And it almost felt like Dallas. It did. I mean, it does. And then it's like, you know, and then they pay it off again. So he, he kind of gets interrupted by Hannah, but then it gets paid off again at the end before they go out and he like leads him in the chant. It's so good. Like they've all bought in to, to Mike, you know, as a choreographer and a director. Speaking of Mike, I have him talking to Zadie in the kitchen. Like yeah. he wakes up in the morning, they're sitting there having breakfast and Zadie's on her computer and they're just bonding. But Zadie sees through the bullshit. What's up, yeah, right. What? Why is he like that? If he acts like he likes you, he hates you. And if he acts like he hates you, it's a sign of respect because he actually does hate you. Yeah, that's not helpful. Why doesn't he just quit? Same reason you don't quit. Systemic economic inequality. Speaking of, have you seen Maxandra this morning? No. And why do you call her that? You know she hates it. She brought me from an orphanage, saying mother would feel like a lie. Come on, that's a little strong. Look, she's doing the best she can, and she loves the shit out of you. I think the real question is, why do you love the shit out of her? And I always loved not just this scene, but intermittently when Victor gets so agitated with Max. It's funny how the three of them just become this team, yeah. especially so true in the end where Victor and Sadie go to the show. And one of the agreements is she's not allowed to watch him do pony. Where are we going? Mike said to leave at the end of suits and return at the end of pony. Oh, yes, yes. You'll go. That's pony. Mike said after pony. No, he just said pony. He definitely said after pony and they're still on their ponies. Now sit. 
So Victor takes Zadie out into the lobby and she's like, Pony's done, Pony's done. We can go back in. He's like, no, 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 not yet. We can't do it. He's like, it's after Pony. So I love the fact that Mike's actually looking after her because he admits his love for Max. And then I guess Mike is just going to end up being stepdad. And well, that's an interesting thing. And, and Zadie's writing a novel. Mike's like, what are you what are you working on? You know, and she's like, I'm writing a novel. I have 40 pages or whatever. So but my final one, I have the bus dance. So perfect. Their show has been temporarily shut down. One of the obstacles I mentioned earlier, specifically because of modifications to the theater, which they don't have the proper permits or, or they don't meet code. But ultimately what it is, is like Rogers trying to shut it down. So there's this woman who can uh, basically sign off on the changes and waive the permits. Isn't it like a, like a three foot step or something? It's like, it's like a quarter inch too big. Some it dog. sounds so stupid. So the dancers basically need to convince this woman named Edna to sign the exemption. So to do so, they kind of like learn her routine like a serial killer. It's literally then, James Bond. Yeah. And then when she's on the bus, they start doing this like pretty impressive, like yeah. choreographed dance on a bus. And she like loves it. She signs off, but that only lasts so long. And then, you know, they can't get around the further changes. All right. With that said, there there's not a swimming pool. Actually, there is a swimming pool. There is. At the, at the beginning at the Miami house at Max's house. There's a swimming pool. Beautiful. House. There's also a water stage, which, which we'll get into. I want to talk about that later. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, get out of the pool. Hey guys, ready to shake your ass. Hot dog is here to provide. That's a great introduction. <laughs> hey ladies coming up to the silver stage. Hot dog. Hot dog. With mustard. I did just think of the Emma Stone sketch. I fucking love it. I watch it like once a year. The Emma Stone sketch from SNL where she's like big, fat, juicy, hot dog. <laughs> so funny. Where it's Pete Davidson's posters coming to life. It's so fucking funny. All right, we are going to discuss the best third movies or what some might call threequels. Yeah. If you like that term, there's a lot. I went through and like, there's a lot of bad ones. There's too. a lot of bad ones, which I'm going to touch on too, but there's like 200 plus. It's crazy. Second sequel. I mean, and like some of them, they're so bad, but I'll go first and right up top of my number five pick, I will go Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh, yeah. This is my number four. 1995, John McClane gets a reluctant and unwilling partner named Zeus to solve a bunch of deadly puzzles in New York planted by a terrorist named Simon. But Jim, most of the diehard sequels, I don't know if you knew this or not, weren't, after three. weren't supposed to be diehard sequels. They were just action scripts that plugged in John McClane and slapped the diehard name on front. For example... This movie was intended for Brandon Lee and it was called Simon Says. Interestingly enough, Warner Brothers bought it to be a Lethal Weapon sequel. Oh, but before Simon Says, they almost used a script called Troubleshooter, which had McLean fighting terrorists on a Caribbean cruise line. They didn't use it because they said it was too similar to Steven Seagal's Under Siege. Yeah, I get that. But then the script was purchased and of course became Speed 2. Oh, God. 
God. So Speed <laughs> 2 was almost Die Hard 3. Could you have imagined if Keanu decided to do Speed 2, would it have saved Speed 2? No. Okay, I agree. Now, because a lot of people are like, eh, all I needed was Keanu. No, because then Jason Patrick was basically being Keanu. The light. only thing that would have saved Speed 2, I love Speed 2. It's so fucking bad. It's but horrible. like, I like bad movies, but like, it's so bad. It's so stupid. The only thing that would have saved Speed 2 is Speed 2 not existing because it doesn't make fucking sense. They don't need one. If it was the same, if it were Dennis Hopper's character from Speed yeah. And he was back somehow. His head didn't fall off. You're fine. He was back and he hijacked another vehicle. Okay. Like Wrong. that makes sense. But like the fact that, that Annie like, goes on a cruise yes, and it's happening again. Like it's so stupid. And it makes it even worse that he Jack is yeah. not there. Yes. It's just every, some random. Everything's about it real. But it was almost Die Hard 3. Yeah. And Die Hard 3 was actually almost Die Hard with a Vengeance was almost lethal weapon. Speed 2 is almost Die so Hard. So that with would have been lethal weapon four because lethal weapon four came out 98 lethal weapon three came out 92 i don't remember lethal weapon three i don't know if it'll come up I'm trying to remember which one that is so my number five and i watched the first two yesterday because i've never ever seen them with my dad but i've seen this one 1500 times indiana jones and the last crusade i can't believe you haven't seen it You've seen Temple of Doom yesterday. You saw Temple of Doom for the first time yesterday. Yesterday, and I never saw Raiders Dark of the Lost Ark. Yeah, dude, fucking short sure. round is awesome. The heart rip and uh, dude, Temple I was like, Doom. this is some serious fucking shit. But you got Data whooping ass. Yeah. He beating the shit out of that kid. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. And I never saw Raiders of the Lost Ark either. So That's for sick. some reason, never saw them both. Awesome movies. This one I watched a lot because I think for me as a history buff, it kind of had more involvement in World War Two and yeah. the Nazi shitheads and you know Sean Connery playing his dad and this is i love when he got to that point with sean connery where they basically had to give up and go listen you're a russian you're a scotsman you're an american keep the accent yeah it's the best yeah. i love it my number four a nightmare on elm street three dream warriors great song 1987 in my opinion the best nightmare on elm street movie after the sequel freddy's revenge so after part two flopped critically still need to see that one new line was actually going to end the series they were like makes sense they were like two movies were done but one factor working against freddy's revenge is that wes craven was not involved because he didn't want it to be a franchise he was one and done he wanted to make Make one movie and have it be done but at the same time he saw the second one and was like this fucking sucked so he agreed that he would co-write the third movie as long as they agreed to end the series oops whoops because there's how many more and uh, a tv series anyways this is the one that revolves around teenagers in a psychiatric hospital the nes game a nightmare on elm street is based on dream warriors and there was also commodore 64 slash pc game of course which is also based on dream warriors I'm not Nightmare on Elm Street, was that decent for NES? I only ever played Friday the 13th. I, wow. I don't know that it's good, LJN. but I love it. I love yeah. it. It's like, because it, it's so weird and it's like, it was like kind of rare. I have a, a copy in a, a repro box, but it's, yeah, super cool. I always love Friday the 13th on NES, even though it was completely so weird, weird it, made no sense. So stylistically, it's fucking dumb. Jason in the purple suit. Yeah. So cool. Love it. Dig it. Well, my number four was Die Hard with a Vengeance. Okay. So my number three, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Yes! Covered it! 
2006, we did cover it back in season five. That probably sums it up pretty well. But one thing that I want to mention that we did not mention on that episode, at least I don't remember mentioning on that episode, is that Justin Lin was adamant that they shot scenes in the most crowded part of Tokyo. They could not get the permits needed to film, so they pulled an escape from tomorrow and they just filmed anyways illegally. Yeah, fuck it. But the cool thing is that the studio hired a fall guy so whenever the cops showed up and Japanese police are, are famously nice, they'll talk to you for 10 minutes and like are very go. friendly. Well, the fall guy would step up and be like, I'm the director and they'd arrest him and then the cops would leave. So this dude would do a night in jail and meanwhile they would just continue filming after the cops Perfect. left. We're good. So I, I liked that. I think it's because the scenes in Tokyo in that movie are fucking awesome. They're badass. Like when they, they're drifting in the middle of like the How nobody got killed. Yeah. So cool. is incredible. They parted the seas. Shout out to my people in Tokyo for that. It was pretty awesome. So my number three, I mentioned Sean Connery before. We got another Sean Connery on this list. The third James Bond yeah. movie. Goldfinger. Yeah. That. It was the movie that kicked off. The movie, not the band we sang last <laughs> week. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you for everybody for bearing with us last week in our drunken stupor of the after hours. Yes, we sang Goldfinger last week and put Macy Gray in a Spider-Man and movie. I sing Shirley Bassey we sang no, we Goldfinger the band. Goldfinger, granted, third Bond movie but this was the one i think that really elevated the entire franchise you had odd job or goldfinger pussy galore the double entendres the the spy thriller element it's james bond it's sean connery fucking amazing movie still holds up to this day 1964 so the cool thing about like bond as we're doing third movies like a lot of these are obviously like franchise star wars and you know a, n- a number we'll get into and, and discuss in honorable mentions but bond has like what three third movies or four third a movies because you have is it Dr. No Goldfinger Skyfall Skyfall yeah yeah. so you have like a number of third movies I mean movies. you do with Sean Con- unfortunately Bond. Dalton didn't get Dalton his third did, movie Dalton got one he right? got two two okay got two. and then did Pierce Brosnan get three he got four he got, so Pierce Brosnan has a third yeah and the thing is though it was those movies after Goldeneye not great no really not but especially Die Another so, Day but then Daniel Craig got four five five he got five, five. It's cool because Bond, and then I'll just say Star Wars. Like, Star Wars yeah. has three, three third movies. Yeah, yeah three threes. So. Another movie, my number two, that had a third. And then they had two thirds. Lord of the Rings Return of the King, 2003. This film won a holy shit 11 Academy Awards. They won every single award that they were nominated for, including Best Picture, Best Director. Based on J.R.R. Tolkien books from the 50s, widely recognized as one of the greatest films ever made. I've said it on this podcast before the thing that i like about this movie is that they resolve the story they do and then give us the happy endings of like what happens to all the characters we've come to know frodo has the injury from the nazgul and he goes to live with the elves but uh so we mind you this is a three hour and 20 minute movie so if they all of them are if it would have been a two hour movie it's harder to resolve everything in an hour and then give us an hour of the epilogue but this is 
truly, in my heart of hearts, this is what I am begging and praying for, that I hope this is what they do with the Fast and Furious. So in the final movie, kill or arrest the baddie halfway into the movie, and then literally spend the last hour of the last Fast and Furious movies seeing where Tej goes, what happens to Ramsey. Where the fuck is Brian? Where does Brian show up for the cookout? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, give us that closure. End it on that. Ultimate closure. Who are Dom's parents? That'd be so, great. yeah, I, I think that's how they need to end Fast and Furious. God, I remember I sat through all three of the Lord of the Rings movies in theaters. The only thing I can ever remember is the Battle of Helm's Deep in the Two Towers, which I yeah. thought was like, whoa, this is fucking see, amazing. See, that's it's so cool because like, and the Battle of Helm's Deep is fucking one of the coolest the things ever filmed. It's yeah. like nuts. But the cool thing is, is like most of that shit, the big battle and stuff, it happens in the second movie. It does. And then the third movie is kind of just like the the ring. The Kobe. Clerks, clerks too. The, yeah, do the Bam. Kobe into the Mount Doom and then they ride a fucking eagle back or whatever. They I take, wish it was a luck They dragon. take Eagle Bowers van from Rock and Roll High School. They drive it back to the Shire. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot tub in it. Um, but uh, yeah, so, but the third movie is basically like the, the conflicts with like Smeagol. Yeah. They don't, but the Battle of Helm's Deep's already happened. Like there's some orcs and shit, but it's just, it's amazing. But then Lord of the Rings, they did the Hobbit series. Not quite the same. Never saw. I did. I was out. I'm done. I couldn't do it anymore. Just, for me, I couldn't get past. This is this is what caused Lord of the Rings jump the shark for me. The commercials for the desolation of Smaug. Smaug. How they said just the desolation of Smaug. I just I'm like, <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. Smaug. No more. Out. Smaug. My second one or my number two, probably this is hard, but it's a really good third one. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I have it. I have it on my list. It's, I mean, come on. It's a Christmas tradition. You watch it 40 times every Christmas holiday. It's a sneaky third movie. It's a very sneaky third. Because like you don't think, I mean, like when when you come up with this list, you think, yeah, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, you know, whatever. Bond. You don't think like National National Lampoon's Vacation as a series. See, here's the thing. You get super technical and say, well, technically this is a fourth because it's National Lampoon's Animal House vacation. If you went National Lampoon's, I'm going Griswold Yeah, if you went as National Lampoon's as a franchise, you got 75 movies. Quite frankly, if if this was National Lampoon's yada, 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 the third one would have been European Vacation. I'd have to kick my own ass for putting that on my list because European (laughs) Vacation sucked. I'm not a fan. But Christmas Vacation, I mean, god damn, tried and true element. It's fucking Chevy Chase in his glory. Shitter's full. Yep. So many quotable lines. Grace, she died 30 years ago. The best. My number one is going to be controversial because of who I'm sitting across. It's Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Why? I told you I came around on uh, Halloween Oh, you did 3. come around, I guess. Yeah. Uh, 1982. It's the movie that was the first and only movie in the, what are there, 13 movies? Are we not including the Rob Zombie If you include Rob ones? Zombie, re-include yep. the late one, I think there's 13 total. Let's see. In the main line, there were Okay, no, we got to count Halloween ends, lives, kills, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're up around like 15. I think it's 13, but I'm not sure. Fact check us on that. It's the only movie of the 13 that Michael Myers is not the villain. He does appear on a TV screen on a commercial, but he is not like a part of it. So this has been told a million times by other people and probably better than I can explain it. But the Halloween series, Halloween movie franchise was supposed to continue 
continue after two with each installment being a new story. So every year there would be Halloween, you know, justice for werewolf, Halloween, Dracula's back. Yeah. Whatever. Yes, exactly. So each year it was supposed to be a different Halloween movie. I think what ruined that is the fact that the second one also had Michael Myers. It did. So you had two with Michael Myers and then we're supposed to have a bunch. I always found it weird because Halloween two takes place the same night as the first Halloween, but three years in real time have passed and Jamie yeah. Lee has a bad wig. Yes. Basically what they were looking for is like an anthology TV series. That's what they were after. That's all they wanted. So one of the great critical reviews of the movie and of just like all time in general, Vincent Canby of the New York Times said Halloween three manages the not easy feat of being anti-children, anti-capitalism, anti-television and anti-Irish all at the same time. Whoa. <laughs> oh. Although in sort of a lighthearted way, it, because he also says it's probably as good as any cheerful ghoul could ask for. It's a fun movie. Yeah, I came around. And it, it is. It is cursed. Tom for lack Atkins of a, is great. For, yes. Tom Atkins is a fucking man. There's just the right amount of like absolutely over the top, ridiculous, stupid stuff. Fucking silver shamrock sprinkled song. in between like some cool effects like the kids. That's yeah, really good. Bugs coming out of his head and shit. And then like it's got a very distinct style even though it's not like john carpenter it's got like the the sound effects and the the way the score is it's very much like recognizable it's unique i love it it's one of my all-time favorites all i can do is give you all a warning out there if you have like the first edition standard dvd of halloween 3 don't fall asleep with it on (laughs) it repeats that silver shamrock song over and over and over again it will haunt you in your dreams speaking of something that will never haunt you in your dreams is my number one star wars Return of the Jedi. Okay, perfect. The ultimate ending to what should have just been the end of Star Wars as we know it. Great third and final movie. Wraps things up for four, five, and six. Period. End of sentence. They save everything. They destroy the Empire. They celebrate on the Ewoks home planet of Endor. The Yub Yub song. Come on. Yeah, I love it. Return of the Jedi was like a fucking staple of my childhood. God damn, was it good. Even though I prefer Empire more, but Return of Jedi for a third, excellent. Yeah, perfect. All right, let's do honorable mentions. Another Star Wars movie, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Red Dragon, which is very true. Didn't think about that. Red Dragon, because you have Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, Hannibal. Red Dragon, even though Red Dragon's a prequel. I got diarrhea. (laughs) Red Dragon. Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't. The look on your what? Star Trek Search for Spock. Yeah. Final Destination 3. Police Academy 3. May come up. Batman Forever. Karate Kid 3 with Barnes. Uh, I fucking love Barnes. Rocky 3. Not great. No. Uh, Back to the Future 3, which is always my least favorite. But apparently in researching for this list, there are a lot of people who really enjoy Back to the Future 3. The problem with Back to the Future 3 is they filmed it immediately after Back to the Future 2, and it just seemed like it was rushed. What's that little kid do on the train at the end? Does he grab his dick or does he flick him off? I'm pretty sure. He, I thought it was flicking off. Because yeah. it's right when Marty and Jennifer at the end of the DeLorean's yeah. destroyed. Our hearts are broken. And I think, no, I think he points to his dick. Now yeah, that I he think does, about it. He like, yeah, he grabs his ball. It's almost like the dude. And, it, that, and it's in the cut. It's like the dude that hangs brain in Teen Wolf. Yeah. In the, is the he hang oh, brain? Oh, that's right. He does yeah, hang it, brain. He's in the, he's in the bleachers and he like. As they're all celebrating, yeah. like there's his dick. Yeah, right. Not a. Uh, Teen Wolf 3, unfortunately. Yeah, because Teen, Teen Wolf, Wolf 2, 2 is so great. With fucking Jason um, Bateman. Mission Impossible 3. Great one. 
All right. So quickly, if we're doing the worst, my- Smokey and a Bandit three. Don't even realize that exists because um, it wasn't Burt Reynolds. It was the Snowman became the Bandit, yeah. and Burt Reynolds did a cameo. Well, that that'll do it. Yeah. My least favorite movie of all time, hands down, no debate. Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. Shit movie. Spider Man three. A horrible, horrible movie. Godfather three. Yeah. Hangover three. Yeah. You didn't need two either. Two's great. You like? I didn't two's like fantastic. It. Yeah. But two's fantastic. But it's the same as the first one in a different place yeah and then three but three <laughs> they why horrible money grab it's like an action movie it's awful and then find cloverfield paradox never even saw cloverfield cloverfield fucking incredible cloverfield is such a cool monster movie and cloverfield I've, I've mentioned it before is so cool because if you got it was like the first movie to do the viral marketing and like the secret websites and stuff so if you went and got into the viral marketing behind cloverfield it made it a completely different experience but even if you didn't get into all the lore and just saw it as a movie, still cool. And then 10 Cloverfield Lane, fucking awesome. And then Cloverfield Paradox, if you remember, was a surprise release on Netflix after oh, the right. Super Bowl. There was a Super Bowl commercial and the commercial was like, on Netflix after the game. It's a, it's the worst space no movie you've ever it. seen. No need. It sucks. But Even I mean, worse I, than Battlefield Earth? It's worse than Battlefield Earth. Wow. So any any bad ones for you? So there is a bad one. Like I referenced Burt Reynolds, Smoking Bandit 3, horrible. There technically was a Cannonball Run 3. Yeah. It was initially going to be called Cannonball Run 3, but they dropped it and called it just Speed zone with Eugene Levy, John Candy, John Flaherty, basically the SCTV guys doing Cannonball Run 3 without the license. Weird. Crazy. And it was like a straight to VHS release. I can remember getting it first row video. That's a bad one. Police Academy 3, not not so great. I don't think it got better till 4 and we covered 5. But yeah, there's a lot of bad 3s out there. Yeah. A lot of bad 3s. It's it's crazy because it it seems like it seems so cra- like if you have a third movie, it means the first two were wildly successful. It doesn't yeah. mean they were good, but it means like they were successful enough that somebody gave them the money to do the third one. It's even more surprising like like when you do have these ones that are getting into a lot of horror movies, Friday oh, the yeah. 13th. Oh yeah. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, like you have these movies that, you know, ended up being who knows how many, but pretty bad. All right. Well, let's get back into the water stage. All right, everybody get ready for that water stage. Hot dog is limp. You know, when I, when I say water stage, it sounds like I'm, I'm talking about like Mario, Mario brothers or, or Sonic like Emerald zone. All right. I've got two critical questions. First, I always like these ones. What happens to Mike and Max after the end of the movie? They're broke. Mike doesn't have a job. All the money they made on this. They didn't make any money. Oh, that's right. They had to eat the shit on it. It's free. And then it, we'll get into it. I'm assuming Mike has an apartment in Miami. Okay. So they all move back to the apartment. I didn't write anything down but i think even though max is broke she has name value she does because of who she was married to oh yeah so I think Max can probably put something together, would rake in some cash, and then maybe she ends up fronting the money for Mike to reopen his furniture business or do something else. Uh, you know, there's so many questions. I mean, 
he does have a lot. I'm assuming he still has a lot of people he who bought furniture off of him. He has a great reputation for the product he puts out. Maybe they can get into it together and restart the business and yeah. they're equal partners. And then Sadie can help them market. She's good with the vocal word. Vocal word. <laughs> the fuck am I saying? She's very good with words and she can help market. It would be a really good idea. As we mentioned earlier, the door is open for more movies under the Magic Mike umbrella. So what spinoff would you want to see from this universe? And I will say, so I'll, I'll put some ideas on yeah. the table. A Mike Lane origin story. So a how did Mike get connected to Dallas? A prequel. A prequel. But what worries me is when we go back to Cruel Inventions a yes. couple weeks ago. So the sequel to Cruel Intentions was a prequel where they cast different people Ugh. and who looked nothing like the characters in it. So sort of like with this, you have to cast somebody who's already like an adult, at least 18, but you have to cast you somebody to. who's an adult that's supposed to become Channing Tatum. And then the person who would be Dallas would have to become Matthew McConaughey unless they could get McConaughey. So it's like, it would just, for me, suspension of disbelief, it would take me out of it if they had to recast those characters. A Dallas origin story. I was just going to say Dallas would be great. Because it would take place in the 90s. Dallas Buyers Club. So late 80s throughout the night because how old's Dallas we think in the first movie he's gotta be 50, in his, yeah he's gotta his be 50s. 50s so you'd think like he's in the late 80s and 90s the music and cocaine Miami it'd be so cool be fucking great um give me Tarzan a, mo- a movie focused on the kid oh yeah so the kid ran off with Dallas we have to assume maybe Dallas left him high and dry what's the kid doing in that'd Miami? be really good and then what I think would be best a movie focusing on the kings of Tampa oh but god yeah I just don't know what it could be because they're done stripping. Big Dick Richie's a family man now yeah. too, so it's yeah, it's hmm. I don't know. It would be interesting because it would have to almost be like straight drama. That's why I mean, and you could even spin it off to new characters. Yeah, why not? Pick one of these guys that's in Last Dance as one of the dancers and tell us what their life's about. Give me some sort of crazy Fast and Furious Magic Mike crossover. It's all shared universes. Sure. <laughs> why the hell not? Yeah, it's, it's uh Mike gets a GI Joe card at the end. Uh, <laughs> have at the end of last dance. Is, should, uh, well, technically he, he was, he was he's in, dead as Duke. Yeah. Those GI Joe movies are what they are. They weren't great. It is what it was, yeah. but you killed general Duke. But do you remember though, when we covered transformers, the movie, the animated yeah. one, both, they wanted to kill everybody, they which did. transformers w- did new toy line. And they wanted GI Joe to kill everyone. And I think in a GI Joe movie, Duke, the cartoon GI Joe yeah. movie, Duke like was supposed to die, but instead he just like goes into a he coma. He was too popular. Yeah. His toy was selling. So they just, they just want to kill everybody. Sell new toys. Bastards. Somebody that probably went on to be a male stripper when he got out of, if he got paroled, David McCall. Hey, Mike. I don't know if you know who I am. I'm pretty good with woodworking. I know how to carve stuff in the skin. I mean, wood. Would you hire me, okay? It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Now up on the main stage, David Fear. <laughs> You think you're funny, okay? You just be fear. Just, hey, I'm fairy. He comes out beating his chest. <laughs> Nicole forever. I'm, so, I'm sorry I can't take your money, Nicole Sorry, Fave. I can't do it, okay? You want to see my dick? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a boogie nights. Yeah, that's a, Oh, oh fucking it. Uh, if you look at uh, as fear as a prequel to boogie nights, it's wow. way weirder. Dude, think, oh my God. <laughs> 
he just uh, uh, he moved to uh, L.A. because he uh, had to leave Seattle yeah. for some reason. All right, logic. Max is a powerful woman who straight up she's power. She has a staff. She has lawyers. She is organizing a fundraiser. She's she's a powerful woman. She has no problem asking a bartender for a six thousand dollar lap dance. So like, it seems like her position slash power would prevent her from actually asking because like, what if he was like an undercover cop or something? Can you like, imagine? Derails I, everything. I get that she wants to like escape her life but like she's asking a stranger for a lap dance yeah it's weird it is a sure that is a like i just in a weird way too much to lose it'd be a weird way it'd be easier to just ask to fuck them instead of asking for a a lap dance it's too much to ask it's too much to ask for somebody in her position it's weird speaking of max and the dance at the very beginning the stripping dance let's give kudos to that furniture i don't know how that furniture a didn't break how she didn't get like flown through a storm door he proceeds to do this standing you know you're holding on to something and you're able to stretch your body out where i forget what you call that you know what i'm talking about yeah he does it on some sort of weird cube thing on the fucking floor I swear to God, I'm pretty sure Salma Hayek got pregnant during this lap yeah. dance. Like, oh, I got pregnant. My my question about the lap dance is why is Mike the one who gets blindfolded? Yeah. Wh- Shouldn't it be her who's blindfolded and then he's dancing on her and she's just like, but he blindfolds himself. Yeah, but she's the one that's supposed to be sensory deprived. Yeah. He knows where things are. I mean. Why is he blindfold himself? Because he's like, I can't get a boner. <laughs> I, is that the whole thing? He's trying to deboner? It's so strange. And, and also, no lap dance ever. Male, female, anything. Yeah. Fucking unicorn would be worth $6,000. No fucking way. $6,000? I don't care who you are, how no. famous you are. No way. $6,000 Granted, dance. the longest techno mix song ever. That song didn't fucking end. Gonna get a lap dance to uh, Echoes by Pink Floyd. Um, <laughs> still not worth $6,000. That'd be an interesting question. If you had six grand and it had to be blown on a lap dance, you had to pick the song. What song would you pick for that $6,000 mm. lap dance? Cause that's going to last with you forever. It's going to be a story that will never die. That's You're going to so- be like, what song was it? Uh, Do sing- you want to get weird? Singing Edmund Fitzgerald by <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Kiss from a rose seal. Yeah. Um, kiss. Love gun. I don't know. I don't know. It would be. It'd be crazy. It would be. Seven something. by Prince. So Max purchases Mike for a month. So RoboCop Game Boy theme. There you go. That's exactly the right answer. Max purchases Mike for a month. So in a lot of ways, it's like a loose reimagining of the toy. Oh, except not racist. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. There's no piranhas or drunk Ned Beatty. Go check out that episode. That was fucking weird to cover. The show really gets shut down after one night because when Max is like, all right, show's done. We're done. And Mike's like, why don't we just do it? They're not going to shut us down till Monday, implying that they would be able to perform for like three nights three or nights. something. But instead they get the one show and that's it. But don't you think some sort of high roller would have sat in that audience or word of mouth saying, yes, hey, bankroll this show you got a hit on your hands take it to vegas that's exactly one of the things like i'm thinking is is that somebody was like keep the show new venue yeah which has been done in a number of movies like there's an animated movie called sing and basically there's issues that lead to their theater like literally collapses so they just still perform the show but they perform it outside of the collapsed theater there's like at the end of the unfortunately prematurely canceled glow on netflix yeah they're taking their 
their show to Vegas. Yeah. You know, there's, it would be the most sensible, what we think would probably happen is that they take the show to a different theater you make millions and get bankrolled because again, Max has connections. Max is like a big name. Yeah. She could probably call in a favor, even though she doesn't have money, she'd call in a favor and be like, Hey, will you find enough money for us to do this show? Yeah, I totally agree. Let's talk about that final dance on the stage. Was it a conveyor belt? I don't know how it was humanly possible for them to pull that off. It was incredible to watch. I really loved it because like poetry emotion. There's no like music at the beginning. It's like they're dancing to like silence. Kind of, yeah, they're like fucking god, they're like tearing each other's clothes off and simulating the fly out, simulating like, and and, you know, the whole logic behind that is like literally the night before the show, Mike is like, Get me a plumber and a ballerina. How did they learn that? Uh, Unless it was like, like Mike's like, Listen, I'm gonna just toss you around and pretend to fuck you, just go around, we're gonna dry hump the shit, pretend we're like fucking 17 year olds again. But it was like a Jamiroquai virtual insanity, yeah, they're slide, Mike's wearing knee pads which is there's nothing more unsexy than like yeah the fact that he's like 90 percent nude with knee pads i can imagine if a 70 year old strip club or just 70 year old dudes or women just wear like fucking elbow pads knee pads <laughs> They're like a stone cold with the knee braces one has gout how does the water stage work so like they, they i know they bring in a plumber how do they get all that water cleared off of those mats or whatever yeah to set the stage for the final like dance. Just waiting for somebody to come out with a fucking squeegee and just start squeegeeing like, All right, stage. intermission before the final song. It's going to be five hours. Plus, we got a SeaWorld situation happening. People are going to be in a splash yeah. zone. People yes. are going to be fucking soaked. It's fucking raining. Nobody like, got a poncho. And then, yeah, I just don't know how and how could they do that every night? How no. could they clear all that water? Plus, let's be honest, after a while, you're going to get sick. I mean, let's. Yeah. you're going to get pneumonia. If Mike gets pneumonia, you're fucked. That's he's the only one who knows how to do that dance. Got a respirator and knee pads. I think I know the answer to this, but we get voiceovers a few times from Zadie telling us like the history of dance and then talking about starts it off in the beginning. Yeah. Talking about like when a stripper named Mike met Max, whatever name Mike, are those direct excerpts from the book that Zadie's writing? How cool would that be? I think that's what it is. That makes sense. I think so. Zadie's book, her novel that she's writing is about Mike and Max. It's the last dance. And it's, she's writing the story. And that's what the voiceovers are. I think that's what it is. That's a good thing. And I never thought of that. There's a tiny subplot where Roger is a, afraid of his mom yeah but roger's like what like 60 something yeah he's approaching the 70s and we never meet or see his mom we hear her on the phone one time or we at least hear him on the phone saying like no mommy yeah whatever it's weird the whole question of this movie is basically like what's more important money or happiness because it seems in this universe you can't have both it's like a short-sighted view because like the whole conflict of max is that she's afraid of not having money she's terribly unhappy in her marriage but she's has money but she's she has stable. money so she's like how can i have my cake and eat it too i want to be i don't want to be poor but i don't want to be with him is it the whole predilection with money is just because her love for zadie and she wants zadie to be able to have everything or is it more her being i think it's her because zadie would still have everything yeah, that's true i mean well uh, that's a, a good question too so where's victor going now that <laughs> that max is broke moving in so does victor <laughs> move back in with rob 
Roger and work for Roger. It seems like he can't stand Roger, though. But he can't stand anybody. What's Victor's deal? Why is yeah. he so mad? He's always an angry fuck. Except he came across. He came around on Mike in the end, though. He did. Which don't where does Victor just go back and work for Roger? It seems weird. But he can't work for Max because she can't pay him. Plus, I don't think he works for a service. I think he's just an independent yeah. contractor. And then finally, my last one, and it's a big one. Does Mike end up getting a sixty thousand dollars? Are the dancers paid for the month of work that they did? I was going to ask about that because they just go up to all these street performers and like no strings attached, no contracts. The next thing you know, yeah, man. Because like at what point is Max's money cut off? Does she have access to Roger's bank account or does she have like, does she have her own bank account to which Roger puts money into? Because we see her in this movie take Mike to like a very upscale clothing store. Mm -hmm. We see her travel, you know, like Victor drives her around. Like we private just, jet. we see her do some extravagant things. Yeah. She's a private jet. Is she spending her? I'm thinking like you always hear in certain stories in certain areas that rich people basically prenups. Yeah. And they all have their separate bank accounts because they never have a joint bank account. Because that's kind of my question. So like, is she still able to pay Mike his $60,000 for the work that he did? I I would, I mean, Mike's whatever, because he probably wouldn't he doesn't really it. care. Would, I would hope those dancers are getting paid. That's why I'm hoping the show gets picked up at another place and they yeah. bring the dancers with them. It pays off in dividend. I don't understand. I like, we need five more minutes of movie. I agree. All right, let's uh, move into a legacy. We don't know yet. So as a trilogy and as a piece of original IP, it's awesome because these movies barely exist anymore. So you can look at, why I don't a 24 is so popular because they're cranking out original IP as much as I love Dune. It's a franchise based around a book series. And as yeah. much as like, I love and am blown away by the filmmaking aspect of everything everywhere all at once. It's very much like a superhero movie. It's a superhero adjacent movie. So even stuff like cocaine bear, it's full throttle ridiculous, but with little to no substance, pardon the pun. Yeah. Not every, Every single movie has to swing for the fences and be an epic. All movies don't have to have like a starting budget of $150 million or more. Movies can be great with a $30 million budget if the investment's in the story. So movies can just tell stories and end. We enjoy them. We go on with our lives. We appreciate them as a work of art and we maybe think about them sometimes. We don't have to consume every piece of merch and spend hours having online arguments about like, fuck you, I think it's Andrew Garfield's best Spider-Man or whatever and there shouldn't be fucking three or four Spider-Man series. Yeah, I agree. Magic Mike XXL, one of my top five favorite movies of all time because it's just a positive movie that's super fun, has a ton of heart. It's a fun, dumb road trip movie. And it's a lot like the first Ghostbusters movie, but with like body oil and dicks instead of ectoplasm and proton packs. Well, one does come out of the other. Yeah, it's it's about platonic relationships and doing something special with your friends. So I'm sorry that became a rant, but the point being, like I really appreciate Magic Mike as a whole because it is a trilogy not based on a book a comic book superhero thing a video game some existing piece of IP it is a trilogy that exists out of thin air. I agree. It's sort of like before sunrise, before sunset, after sunset, whatever those movies are called, which the guy who did Days and Confused, Richard Linklater. Again, you made a trilogy out of just something in your brain, not based on anything. These movies can exist. It's like, it just drives me crazy where we are. It's horrible. Yeah. Everything has to perform. 
has to hit a certain number. Like you said, if you have like fast X, it's a $40 million budget. It better hit 1.5 billion yes. or you're well, fucked. And see, that's the thing too, is like, I love fast and furious. Yeah, we both it, do. it is a return to popcorn summer movies. And it's impressive that it's original IP that they, because again, yeah. not based on a comic book. It wasn't a video game. It wasn't a toy series. Yeah. It's just something organic happened. They made a car movie. They made a movie about street racing and stealing VCRs. And then it went places. And then it went places. And but it accepts the fact that it went places. Yeah. So now it's a completely different thing. And I love that. But like where I disappointed in Fast and Furious, I mean, listen to the Fast X spoiler cast. In the Fast X spoiler cast, like we mentioned, like I have no problem that it's like very far removed from what it originally was. But like my problem is this, like, again, they're spending $300 million on the budget and then it has to make a billion dollars. And you know, and, and they've got problems, no, frankly. They have a lot of problems. But yeah, just please, more original IP. More original IP that goes to theaters. I remember like recently I watched Fast Getaway with Corey Haim, which I loved growing up. Don't love it as much now as I did growing up. I watched it the other day and I was like, you know what? It was a fine movie. Yeah. And that's it. Why can't things just be a fine movie? Exactly. It always has to be, can this be a sequel? Can this be a trilogy? Can yes. it be a series? Can we sell t-shirts? Can, can we, we have merch? toys? It, like I watched Fast Getaway. I was like, man, that was kind of fun. And that's it. Yeah. it which it did have a sequel, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But just a fine movie. Just make fine movies. And I think, honestly, like last year, and this wasn't supposed to become this big thing, but like <laughs> last year or a couple years ago, you have Glass Onion, the Ryan Johnson movie, and then you have Knives, or Knives Out was first and then Glass Onion. I think that's why people liked that so much because it's just fine. It's not the best movie I've ever seen. It's not iconic. It's not legendary. It's not something people are going to be like 50 years and be like, it's not like Clue, yeah. where Clue is like a great, good movie that people just love. You know, Knives Out and Glass Onion aren't that. They're just fine movies. And that's all they have to be. What happened with fine being such a negative you know term? What, you know what happens with fine? It makes the good movies even better. That's right. Because it makes them stand out if you make fine movies. But now every movie is like, gotta be cocaine. Like if it's not a franchise or a superhero or a Marvel or, or whatever, then it's gotta be cocaine bear. Ugh. Then it's gotta be just like, we're gonna fucking cocaine and fucking marketing and like covering something up or like even Renfield, which is like Nicolas Cage. Cause that's its own package. Oh yeah. You know? And like, I like some of Nicolas Cage's like more recent movies and stuff, but it's just everything has to be either Again, crazy. It needs its own hook for some reason. Or to be just a fine movie, it's got to have like a crazy hook. Nothing can just be like, hey, we're putting his Roger and his friends, the movie. Like nothing. It can't just be. How many normal movies did we grow up with? It was all just normal movies. Yeah, it was great. It was great. It was so like, like something like Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. Just a normal movie. movie. It's fun. It's not totally stupid. Listen, I grew up watching my favorite Disney movie was the North Avenue Regulars. Yeah. A fucking church blows up. A Disney movie for fuck's sake. Yeah. It's a great fine well, movie. That's kind of why, like, uh, I think it comes out this week is the Jennifer Lawrence No Hard Feelings. Yeah, I was reading up on that. It's it's almost like a and people are like, oh my god, this is crazy. It ain't nothing new. No, it's Porky's American Pie, uh, just one of the guys. She does like it's, a like a skinny dipping scene yeah. that she wanted in the film because yes. she's like, it was fun, dumb fun. It's it is a raunchy teen sex comedy. Yeah, every once in a while those just come back around now are they gonna look 
look and see what this does at the box. I'm gonna go. Oh, All right, probably. we got a sequel. Got to get a second kid that yeah. she dates or something. We need more tits in the next one. Yeah, I I don't know. All right, well that yeah that went on way too long. Stick around for some plug. Pool sceners once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. And don't forget, as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple, Spotify, and Podbean. You leave us a five star review and we read it on the air. We'll send you out a bit of a prize. Also, don't forget check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. If you guys are unsure how to get there, we have a one-stop shop now, and it's called Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Pool Scene Podcast. If you guys would like to contribute to the show in any way, help for future content, maybe even put it towards a cup of coffee for us, there is a link at the top of the Linktree that will send you to basically a tip jar. We love you guys, and thank you once again, and now... Back to Kevin. Final lap guy, are you just fine? Yeah! The final lap! So, shout out. We uh, we are officially a monetized podcast. We yes, we are. We receive a donation. And a uh, person out there who sent us the donation, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. Jim um, bought a uh, <laughs> uh, Armageddon Divix at an Armageddon McDonald's. Yeah. No, no we, we didn't use it for that. No, we didn't. We were very appreciative of it. Thankful to all you pool seniors. And again, go back and listen to the plugs. Anyone that wants to uh, buy us a cup of coffee, make a donation. Or if you are interested in becoming a sponsor of the show, yeah, we can work something out. Yeah. So thank Anybody you very much, own, guys. Own businesses. The uh, server guy from Divix. <laughs> can we? Can Divix become the official? Sponsor? You know what I love about that Armageddon Divix? It's sealed and it has the Circuit City price tag of four dollars and forty nine cents. Yeah, so that's what makes it. For those that listened last week, you heard a lot about Divix, but uh, that was almost our lost episode due to drunkenness. Oh my god, dude! It was a train wreck. But after to edit listening, because I. Had had to listen to it back and yeah. i will say i'm impressed that i was able to stick to my notes so well because i truly don't remember recording like much of that so i said after the 23 minute mark i didn't remember any of it and i now know how rock stars are able to get on stage wasted and still perform because I don't know like how. think about for years for decades rock stars have been doing heroin and cocaine and drugs and booze and all Vince neil and they get on stage and somehow still perform it clicks and like uh I got it just a little taste of that last week. And I honestly had, I had preserved this in my block of notes because I was like, I'm going to cover everything we missed. And surprisingly, <laughs> we didn't really miss anything. We didn't really miss anything. I think we got all of it. We you get to that point where we start slurring the words a lot. You could totally hear the booze in the background. Now, before I started editing the podcast, I was like this one, cause none of us remembered. Yeah. I'm like, we might have to junk this whole thing because yeah. I'm like, I don't know if anything's going to be usable because you didn't remember shit. It came out really good. I love at one point we just break out in a fucking song and then we're Macy Gray Spider-Man yeah. and fucking Seth's doing Jesse Ventura for 20 minutes. It's just it was fun, crazy. It was interesting to edit. I will say that. But I also want to say a special shout out to our friends at the United States Navy. Thank you very much. You guys have been listening like crazy we appreciate we are the number one podcast of the United States Navy. I mean, look at the numbers alone, Kevin, have been going through the roof. And I can't thank all of you out there, the fighting men and women of the United States Navy. Thank you very much. Anchors away. Anchors away, my boys. Anchors away.
And so speaking of movies based on IP and, and all that, we're less than a month away from Barbie versus Oppenheimer. Yeah! So I encourage everyone to make it a double feature. So I'm thinking the right way to do this would be have a coffee and a breakfast sandwich or a coffee and some toast or something. Go catch a matinee of Oppenheimer, then burger fries and a milkshake in between, and then go see Barbie. Kevin, would could we be hinting about something? Maybe. Possibly. Yes. If we can pull it off. I have to see Barbie with the fam. Yeah. But well, I, I, already, I, I already promised the missus that me and her would also see Barbie. Yeah. But Barbenheimer? Yeah. Holy shit. Gotta do Barbenheimer. Oh, my God. I think um, that would be so much fun. Well, Oppenheimer's three hours long. We got to keep an eye on Barbie's box office because Barbie is going to perform better at the box office. I'm making that prediction now. Barbie's going to perform better at the box office, but obviously Oppenheimer's going to get awards nods and Barbie probably won't. Won't at all. But yeah. I'm hoping like Barbie, where do we think the Barbie runtime is going to come in? Like 140, yeah. 130, Oppenheimer's I, a full three. I, the one thing that makes me nervous about Barbie is Will Ferrell. I didn't even realize he was in it. Is he a Ken? I think he's a villain. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Will, it might be too hammy. I like Will Ferrell. Like I love Anchorman and I like Step old Brothers. school and Step Brothers and stuff. But I just, I, I, when you see him in like uh, the Lego movie, I'm like, he's just a little much. Yeah. So keep an eye out for Barbenheimer. I, I said today on my social media, I was like, some drive-in somewhere has got to be cashing in on this. They have doing to. a double feature of Oppenheimer and Barbie. We've been looking up Barbenheimer shirts. <laughs> There's some great ones. There's some fucking Etsy ones that are tremendous. Great job out there for those uh, creators who are making those. And then I mentioned Gremlin's Secrets of the Mogwai last week. I think it was last week. Yeah. We just so we were so drunk. We, we don't know. Just finished the 10th episode and I believe it's episode eight. It might be a little earlier than that. They do something cool. They explain why the Gremlin rules exist. Finally. Because like, exactly. It's just so stupid because they're like, here's this animal. No eating after midnight. No bright light. Don't get it wet. And it's like, why? Yeah, because they don't know why. Well, there was a novelization of the Gremlins that the studio put out or whatever. And they basically asked Joe Dante. And he's like, yeah, I don't give a shit, whatever. So in the novelization, they explain where Gremlins came from. And the dude that wrote it, it was the most out there shit ever. They're aliens. Okay. They're like, wow. I mean, it is it is bonkers. Yeah. So this show kind of retcons all of that. And, and I will say, okay, so this show does kind of lose the plot a bit because it's also very very much out there. Like it takes place in the early 1900s. It's Sam wing is a child, okay. but even though the movies are about a universe where gremlins exist, I would say the gremlins are still pretty, like a pretty grounded movie. You know what I mean? It's a yeah. real, it's a real world. There's just happens to be gremlins. The show is not grounded whatsoever. I do appreciate that. They explain why the three gremlins rules exist. So spoiler, if you don't want to know, skip ahead, maybe 30 seconds. And I, I will just briefly explain it. So they sort of take a page out of Jacob and the man in black from Lost. So there are two gods who are like feuding and they create everything in the universe. The one God thinks that humans are worthless and the other God thinks they have merit. So they invent the Mogwai and specifically the Mogwai tests to test the true like metal of humans, whether they can follow the rules of the Mogwai. And like the other thing that they fix is the no eating after midnight. Yeah. They basically say like, that's a dumb thing that Westerners like changed because actually it, they can't eat when the moon's at its highest point or something. So it's not like they specifically say like, it's not midnight. It's just don't feed them when you don't think you should feed them basically. But yeah, the show, I don't know if they'll do a second season. I, 
I, I, I was it's ex- fine. It's fine. It's fine. There we go. I was excited for it, but I, I just, the animation, uh, they're doing this new thing with animation, which they did in Puss in Boots. Okay. Where they basically, oh, and they're doing it in video games a little bit too, where they're basically saying like, people don't care that much about the graphics. People don't care that much about how it looks. Let's just tell a good story and it looks good enough. Okay. And um, so that's kind of how like Puss in Boots looked. And I think it won the the Oscar. And then that's how Gremlins basically is. It's kind of just like, it reminds me of N64, to be honest. Or like PS1. It's got like, yeah. the hair looks real. It reminds me of Create a Wrestler on Attitude. Nice. Oh, Attitude. That's horrible. Yeah, it looks kind of bad, but uh, but still enjoyable. Like you, at times I'll be like, yeah, it looks kind of shitty. But from a story perspective and stuff, it doesn't take away. That's good to know. All right. Well, there's a lot of ranting and raving. And yeah, this, this effectively this is the end of season 12 wraps up season 12 and we uh going to be venturing in to lucky number 13, 13. season 13. And uh, we got some goodies coming for you. Been talking about doing a number of things here. So a couple watch alongs here and there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So until season 13 pool seniors out there, Silencia. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I was the hunted down and brought to me! Across the face. Nobody move! Of Earth. I think I'm gonna need some backup. Can you show us the way? Of course. No. Somebody help me! distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe.